Welcome to the conversation room. The conversations are free, minds are free, dialogue is open. Join me in the conversation room. Tupac Shakur is in a hospital recovering from serious gunshot wounds as a New York jury deliberates his faith regarding sexual abuse charges. I mean, that's what kills me. It's like every time I think this is it and I go all out to beat that, I win or I lose and then I come into the next one. This is worse. It's yeah. even worse. Like it's like a, a like the Twilight Zone because it's like some evil, unstoppable shit that it just won't let me go. Mm -hmm. It's just got his hands on me and it just want to see me fail. He knew like it's going to come one day where when I start putting out this besides Brenda's got a baby, their mama, and when I get really like political on them, I'm be a target. And then what hurt him the worst is like the New York incident where he got robbed in the studio. Quad Studios. Yeah, he just, he's like, man, I'm, for all I do and rep represent for my people, I just never thought my own people would shoot me. When a white cat pulled a gun on me, I was prepared. You know what I mean? I don't have to react. I'm when a nigga that. pulled a gun on me, I like froze up like, oh shit, a nigga gonna kill me? When them dudes put out the pistols to me, man, who was that, man? It was these fools from New York, this gang out there called A Team. These man. fools was mad because I, I told them I wasn't fucking with them no more. See, the girl that did this rape shit, she hooked up with the niggas that shot me. Oh, is that it's right? It's all connected. It was a big plan. I just caught it like at the end, and that's why they shot me. Man, hey man, you gotta stay up, man. When you when you step through that that way, man, you gotta be on point. Bro. I ain't going through there no more. If I do, I'm going with a hundred motherfuckers. Yeah, I'll be one of them. Yeah, no doubt. Because man, no we, can't, we can't be having you not here. Well, you had mentioned that when Pac was in the hospital, he felt like the doctors were gonna poison him mm -hmm. through through the needles and and stuff like that. He just became really paranoid. Yeah, I mean. Mama Feeney was like, when I came to the hospital, she's like, yo, please talk to him. He, they saying if he leave, he wants to check himself out. An infection could kill him. So I said, all right, Mama, I'm going to come talk to him. So when I came up in, he was like, I know what you're going to say. Fuck that. I need to go. I said, all right, we're going to go. I heard there was an actress that he stayed with right after the hospital. Do you know who that was? No, if I did, I wouldn't say it. Okay. You know, I ran off to the hospital, like, no matter what's going on, I'm still here for you, and I love you, I care. So I was there, but I got there too late. So you heard about the Quad Studio shooting a day later. You went to the hospital to try to see Tupac, but once you got there, Tupac wasn't there. If I'm not mistaken, Tupac went to Jasmine Guy House right, right after he left the hospital. First of all, he was shot five times. Somebody wanted him dead. And walking around knowing that yeah. really affected Tupac's spirit. Yeah. Um, there was fear. Yeah. There was a lot of mistrust, almost like anybody involved with his recuperation had to go underground to even deal because nobody had to, could know anything because he was, he was sure the people that shot him knew him, that it mm -hmm. wasn't a random mugging. Not five, no. not five shots. Mm -mm. He didn't want to stay in the hospital or at his girlfriend's house, so... Um, they called me to see if I could keep him while he was convalescing from the the wound, and he didn't he didn't feel safe sitting up in the hospital bed. 
Tupac Shakur has been sentenced to a maximum of four and a half years in prison for sexually abusing a fan. A state judge in New York condemned 23-year-old the 23-year-old rapper for his, quote, arrogant abuse of the victim and crimes he said had escalated as Shakur's career progressed. Once he was in jail, though, uh, they put him in solitary confinement. They used all forms of uh, uh, tactics that are called by Amnesty International penal coercion tactics mm -hmm. to mess his head up. So most of our population uh, probably still believes that Tupac was some gangster who uh, you know got killed because of a gang rift or because of this you know manu what I call manufactured East Coast versus West Coast rap rivalry. I worked hard all my life as far as this music business to make it East Coast, West Coast love and make everybody feel comfortable. And I dreamed of the days when I can go to New York and be comfortable and they can come out here and be comfortable. So it's not like I'm, I'm, when people say, why are you doing it in East Coast? It's not like it's, it's not silly at all, but you can't disrespect the love. You can't disrespect the peace treaty. I bumped into Stretch in the club one night and he was like, oh, dad, what's up? Cause I knew him. You know, I met him from day one when I met Pac, he was there. And, you know, I would always see him. He tells me that uh, Pac, he's sure Pac would love to know that he ran into me because we lost contact and he had no way of getting in contact with me. I said, okay. So I gave him my phone number. I told him, call me. He called me, told me he had a message for me from Pac, you know. So I said, come through. I'm living in Brooklyn and best at the time. I'm like, come through. This man shows up to my house with some dudes from Junior Mafia and some dudes from Bedford Avenue. And I'm just like, okay, because from what I'm getting, I haven't spoke to Pac, but, you know, the radio interviews and what's going on, the, the atmosphere is that there's a problem between Big and Pac, that Pac feels like, you know, Big has something to do with him getting shot in that thing. So I'm not really knowing what's going on here at this point, but that already looked fishy to me. Then Stretch comes under the pretense that he got a message for me from Pac. There's no message though. It's just him trying to holler at me, you know, and that was the second flag. So, you know, after I spoke to him for a little while, I shut him down, told him that wasn't gonna happen. You know, that prompted me to contact Pac because I'm like, this is your boy. What's he doing with your enemies, peoples? And why is he trying to holler at me? Uh, there was anonymous letters going back and forth. There was uh, strangers making uh, outrageous accusations. And, uh, and so, yeah, Tupac started believing some of this stuff um, at first. And then you know, by the end of his life, he didn't believe it anymore. He realized uh, that in his last album, uh, Machiavelli, yeah. he had a song called Against All Odds, where he says, let me you know, uh, tell you about this snitch, you know, I mean, an FBI agent named Haitian Jack knew he was working for the feds, of course, Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI, uh, set me up and wet me up. Yeah. And the set him up was for the sexual assault scene, and that wet me up was where shot him at New York Recording Studio Lobby because it was an associate of Agnet, of Jacques Agnance, Haitian Jacques Agnance, that uh, lured Tupac to that New York Recording Studio Lobby where he was shot. Uh, there was, uh, I have a doctor's affidavit uh, copied in my book showing that there was two bullet uh, entry wounds in the back of the skull and two exit wounds in the front of the skull. Yeah. And they just bare, those bullets barely missed his brain. They, uh, they, suspected, they suspected that, for example, Haitian Jacques Ignat was bad news. And they told Tupac, you know, we're not sure about him, him. We don't know his origins. We don't know what he's really about. 
but Tupac was having all kinds of problems at that time, uh, financially, legally. Obviously, they kept arresting him with, and I, I think that was part of their same strategy they used against the Panthers. The what's called our, the harassment arrest strategy that was yeah. found in FBI documents. And what it turns out is, that, of course, that it was eventually found out that he had a, a miles-long rap sheet of uh, charges up and down the East Coast, according to Tupac's New York trial lawyer, Michael Warren, who got that rap sheet. And, uh, and all the charges were dismissed. And Michael Warren said that's a sure sign of a police intelligence agent. They just didn't realize how much U.S. intelligence, you know, how many resources they would put into targeting Tupac. And all I was doing was like, give me my proper etiquette. I got shot. I'm like, yo, what happened? Come see me in jail. Biggie all in the air to my ear pockets, my homeboy wound, but not see me. My homeboy Stretch is going to Biggie's concerts. Niggas is like abandoning me. Mm -hmm. Niggas is just going to act like I'm going to just be in jail and they're going to give me shout outs and try to take my position. Mm -hmm. And if you watch, that's what Biggie did. Listen to us. I, I, I was there, nigga. I trained the nigga. He used to be under me like my lieutenant. The nigga, I used to come in New York. I used to do shows and let the nigga come on before I did keep your head up and get around. Because mm -hmm. nobody knew the nigga in New York. Mm -hmm. And I used to tell the nigga, yo, if you hey, want to you know, make your money, I'm, I'm, you got to rap for the bitches. Do not rap for the niggas. Yeah, I told yeah, yeah. the nigga, don't rap for the niggas. Rap for the for bitches. Me. The bitches will buy your records and the niggas want what the bitches want. So all of a sudden, he changed from being, listen to party and bullshit. Listen to his style. He changed from that. To Big Papa because of me. He had my album, Me Against the World, was the second one. He had the first one. I changed everything because Ready to Die came out and it sounded like my album. Mm -hmm. He was supposed to be. He was supposed to be Thug Life. Mm -hmm. All while he was coming up, I used to let him come on stage with me. He was screaming Thug Life. Hey, I he was like, I hate Canadian. Brooklyn. I hate me. Y'all don't mind with them niggas puppy cheating me. Woo woo woo. All of a sudden he blew up and he wasn't saying Thug Life. So I started getting mad, and I was seeing the niggas place. He was hugging me, yo, Pac, yo, thank you, he was the only nigga that woo, woo, woo. But he, and he told me, like, about a week before I got shot, he knew the nigga that was shot me, and he was like, Pop, don't hang around this nigga, you know what I mean? You know, we walked in with the nigga that shot me, and ended up shooting me. He's like, Pop, don't fuck with this nigga, because I knew the nigga too, he was my Kogi fan. And uh, I was like, what you mean? He's like, I'll talk to you about it later, and we didn't talk. The next time I saw him was at the studio where I got shot. So I knew he knew what happened. So I was like, Biggie, what happened? He kept sending me messages like a bitch, you know, like, I'm going to come see you. No, nigga, what happened? While I'm in jail, strangers is telling me, yo, you don't know? Biggie homeboy shot you. So now they rapping against me, and you, you can imagine how I fucking feel. When, when I got arrested you, in New York, I got arrested for Biggie. Them guns in my room was Biggie's guns because them cowards left the room when they heard the police was downstairs, and everybody left their guns in my room. So I got four guns in my room. Serial numbers scratched out, and I did not snitch. I took that case. So you can imagine how I feel when I'm in jail for that case. And he out there living a mafia lifestyle, giving me no money, giving me no respect, giving me no tribute. Rolling with my road dog who was there when I got shot. I mean, come on, man. I'm not paranoid. I'm not paranoid. Y'all niggas know what time it is. Yeah, I would, I would say Pac always knew. I think he knew Big. See, a lot of people get it confused when he knew Biggie didn't really do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. We knew Biggie wasn't a gangster. Yeah. You know what I mean? He probably come from the hood, but he wasn't built like that. But Pop was upset that word on the streets, and even when he went in prison, is that Biggie and them knew this was going to happen. Had uh, had knowledge of yeah, it. Yeah, they had knowledge of it. And also, word on the street is that they was going to try to take advantage. They thought Pac was going to get killed. And they're gonna drop this who shot you or they they was gonna they want to be in the studio when Pac get shot or killed and they're just gonna help their careers mm. this is what Pac was getting fed you understand mm. now um 
Soon he gets shot, Biggie put out the song, Who Shot You? And it sounded like it was aimed at Pac. So Pac and Jail, like, man, something, it was just, even if he didn't do it on purpose, it was bad timing. So they were basically torturing him in jail, messing his head up. And then when he got out of jail, um, he, he was with Death Row Records, who I argue and show evidence of that continued these tactics to mess his head up. And uh, only when he was finally getting away from Death Row Records uh, did he get back into some of his activist lyrics. And uh, he had started his own record company, his own film company, and um, had fired the real head of Death Row Records, a guy named Dave Kenner, a white lawyer. And within nine days of firing him, of course, he was killed. Yeah. And um, now I argue that uh, Death Row Records was a U.S. intelligence front company. A um, high-level uh, white Los Angeles police officer found dozens and dozens of his fellow police officers at all levels of Death Row Records. And he went to, when he went to his superiors to ask what were they doing there, uh, they said you can consider them covert agents. And one of their goals was to aid in the murder of Tupac Shakur. Yeah. And of course they had some other goals also, which was partly to end the Bloods versus Crips peace truce. But on a grander scale, isn't it somehow, if you look at hip-hop today, what it's become, <laughs> Wouldn't you say from your conclusion that it might be also, is it actually a tool to, um, to suppress black people in general? In the 80s, for example, you had groups like Public Enemy right. that were uh, putting out activist lyrics. You had uh, Boogie Tribe Down Quest. Productions. Tribe Called Quest, all these Tribe bands. Tribe Quest, yeah. I mean, you know, these are all, these are groups that I liked a lot in the 80s and early 90s. And uh, I think the industry was taken over by the huge multinational corporations. The end of 1994 is when I started officially working for Delphi Records. 94? 94. 94. We had got intel that um, a few of the guys that was working for Delphi Records was planning on robbing and kidnapping Shook and holding them for ransom. And so we met, I remember the corner, we met at this dairy on the corner of Lone Beach Emmer, and uh, which happened to be in Southside Crypt area, <laughs> pretty much. I insisted I, that they get real security, uh -huh. real cops. <laughs> and and Shug was like, you know, he he rubbed it off, pretty much. I don't know if he believed it or not, but you know, knowing Shug, he just like, yeah, yeah, well, I you know, I'll deal with that. I don't believe that, um, but. That's why y'all need to be over here watching my back anyway. Well, this is what happened. I, 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 I insisted they get real police uh -huh. because I didn't want to, I said, I, I just can't do this anymore. You know, this is crazy. I come to the studio and there's all these guys and it doesn't, doesn't feel like, you know. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I want to do it. My father was like, oh man, half the guys that's working for you, I'm trying to get them on some cases myself. I'm not coming, you know, okay. I have no interest. So your dad turned it down? Yes. But you, you did not. I didn't turn it down. Uh, however, at that point, I wasn't the one, the main guy. Uh, my father suggested another lieutenant uh, by the name of Danny Sneed. So next time I go, there's real police. And this is then at the El Rey Theater. Well, when I looked at that, though, when I saw the first person get killed in front of me, that's when I realized this stuff is for real, man. These fuckers ain't playing around, buddy. And, yeah, El Rey Theater. Uh, the Theater. Yeah, was, but I don't remember any of the incidents. That was the dude that got beat up so bad. He got oh, he got... I'd never seen... I, I mean, I, I never saw anything like that in my life. 
They, no, I mean they 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 like they split his head open and it, it just the guts went. I mean his head and it just was like whoa. I was just like whoa. And then the, then the crazy thing was, the next day at death row, it back like nothing even happened. And this company, Code Four uh, Security, was the uh, security company, and I had some disagreements with the way things were done and felt that they didn't do things that they should have done. And I decided at that point that I was going to um, form my own security company. Okay. And then Suge hired Rightway? Right. Way after it ends, I found that they were Rampart guys. Eventually, yes. He hired Rightway. Uh, or I hired Rightway as, um, you know, the, the director or the chief of uh, security for Death Row. In 1995, there was a Source Awards. First of all, I'd like to thank God. Second of all, I'd like to thank my whole entire Defo family on both sides, you know what I'm saying? I'd like to tell Tupac to keep his guards up. We ride with him. And one other thing I'd like to say, any artist out there who want to be an artist and want to stay a star and don't want to, don't want to have to worry about the executive producer trying to be all in the videos, all on the record, dancing, come to Death Row. The East Coast ain't got no love for Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and Death Row. Y'all don't love us. Y'all don't love us. Well, let it be known then. We'll, we know y'all East Coast. We know we at East Coast and F. Yeah. When we rode, we rode together. And uh, I think it was, I was excited in the moment to be on the Source Awards and to be on the stage. And, you know, he told me, come on up here with me. You know, come up. So, you know, I went up on stage with him and, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was mostly a bad boy death row thing. But at that point, what he was doing, most people don't know, he and I had just got off a plane from signing the deal, and David Kenner, with Tupac Shakur. Now, you actually were with Suge when he started visiting Tupac in jail. Yes, I was. Okay. So, so describe, describe the first meeting that Suge had with Tupac in jail. I don't know what the meeting was like, because the furthest I got was to the gate. So I had an opportunity to see the excitement of Pac coming to death row, you know, from Suge's eyes and from his mouth. But all three to four times that Suge and David Kenner went up there, uh, I was there as well. Okay, so were you actually sitting with Suge and Tupac? No, no, were... I stayed in, in the car. Okay. Uh, yeah, I didn't got go it. inside the prison. Got it. So since you were around while Suge was working out his deal with Tupac, one of the stories that you hear different sides of is that uh, Suge put up the bail money. But then another story is that the record label put up the bail money. Okay. In the movie, there's a scene where Tupac is calling Interscope Records to try to bail him out, and they, they front nah, him. Nah, he's calling mm. about his braid. Okay. That's, you know what I mean? It's, it probably could have been developed a little bit more, but mm -hmm. they was basically trying to show how Pac was locked up old money remember this man had the number one album while he was in prison the first artist to ever do that yeah. you know a million 
a million sold back when a million scan was really a million records. Right. So that's between 13 and 20 million dollars that he had coming to him. You mean this man don't got the money to pay his own bail and it's only 1.3, 1.5 million dollars? Wow. Doesn't make sense. Um, his wife at the time reached out to Shug and just asked for some money. Shug shot $15,000, put it on his books. And said, hey, here's $15,000. If you need anything, call me. That's when Tupac reached out to Shug and said, hey, come and see me. That's when they started talking and Tupac was saying, hey, you know, they, you know, my record company is doing, doing me wrong, which was Interscope. They, you know, they don't want no parts to deal with me. Right, but, but Suge has a deal with Interscope as well. And a relationship. So I guess they, in their conversations, Jimmy was like, hey, you can deal with him. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired of dealing with him. And that's when Suge was like, okay, we can make this happen. Hey, David, you think we can get him out on an appeal bond? What can we do? Complex said you were top 25 A&R of all time. Um, and in the, in the little synopsis they have of it, and they said, although Jimmy Iovine and Suge Knight eventually moved Gregory out of the picture by taking advantage of Shakur's insecurities and dangling beats from Dr. Dre as a bait. Do you think that's an accurate account of how you guys' working relationship ended, or is that hip-hop folklore, which a lot of no, that's actually around? Yeah, because this, that guy introduced, uh, interviewed me. Okay. So that was pretty close. Okay. Um, you know, the, the, folk, the folklore is the bail. We're not going to get into that too deep. Okay. That's one thing I don't talk about. Um, I will talk about it, but I just don't generally talk about it. I never... I, what I will tell you is it's folklore. Okay. And I have the paperwork back there in the office. Wow. <laughs> you got to show it. We won't take a picture. I got to see that. I got to see that. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's literally 100 pages because it's, it's part of his whole... Um, the, um, when he, he was released from jail pending appeal. So, it was, you know, I have the whole appeal package. Wow. And myself, maybe the lawyer, maybe the estate are the only three people that have it. If maybe I'm the only person who has it, I don't know. Right. I mean, I've never asked. What do you remember the the last conversation you and Pac had? Absolutely, yeah. Would you care to share? Is it too um, personal? No, I mean, you know, it was really very simple. It's like, do you want to call Sugar? I'll have someone else call him. Hmm. Because I I want to when I get out, I want to sign. We should because I want I want to do beats with Dre. You know, I want to do songs with Dre and Snoop. That's yeah. the only way I can do it. You can go with me, or you don't have to. It's up to you. And I'm like, I don't see why you, you have a number one record in the country right now. You're in jail. I get that. I, you know, I totally understand. We're working on that. But you have the number one record in the country. Why do you need to go somewhere else and do something with someone else? Yeah, that's 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 tough. Yeah. So back to the Source Awards. They go and, and do this presentation, you know, they do this performance of Murder Was the Case. If you look closely, they had it where they had each artist, when they were singing their verse on the Murder Was the Case soundtrack, come out of a cage. You look closely in the cage to the far right, Tupac is in there. We had a, when it got a big picture of Tupac, and we had placed that picture of him inside of one of the cages. That was really Suge's way of letting people know that Tupac was now signed 
and was going to be with Death Row. Okay. And then he had Tupac's back. And so he was starting his beef with Puffy then for, for Tupac. It was a power move for Suge. Suge was already beefing before Tupac. It, this wasn't just Tupac and Biggie. Suge was trying to get at Puffy and trying to bully him like he was bullying everybody else. You heard the Andre Harrell story. You heard, you heard many stories. The Andre Harrell story? You didn't hear the Andre Harrell story a lot? I guess the rumor was that Suge beat up Andre Harrell to get Jodeci out of their contracts. That's the rumor? That and more. So he wanted to sign Jodeci and Mary J. Blige, and he got them released. Yeah. From their contracts, and they signed with Shug's West Coast Management. Mm -hmm. As for Andre Harrell, he told Newsweek in March, 19, in, in March of 1993 that he hired security services from the Nation of Islam. Yeah. After that situation. Yeah, there was always security at Interscope too, you know, and um, they made sure that that they were uh, protected. Protected. Yeah. Well, I mean, if even not security. Even what? And it wasn't just security that protected them too. It was police. No. It was gangsters. Mm. Okay, there's a gang element. Yeah. Involved on the other side. That's right. As well. He he really was terrorizing the music industry. Yes, he was. Now, I'm gonna tell you to some extent. Maybe for a while it was good for the industry, because the industry really screwed up a lot of people for a long time. Yeah. You know, and Sugar will collect on, on certain things. Somebody came to regulate it and, and say, hey, man, this is unfair, right? Yeah. But then he took it to another level. You know, but, you know, Suge fought for his artists, but there, there's, there's a thing of fighting for them and then this thing of, of you know, bullying? I'm untouchable and bullying, yeah. yeah. Even, you know, I, heard, I, I would hear a lot of stories and I could hear, you know, a couple of times Jimmy saying, Suge is a bad guy. Just a bad dude you don't want around. Interesting. Yeah. So you think that led to ultimately uh, Dre going over with Jimmy directly because Suge was having a problem. Oh, yeah. You know, because Jimmy was having a problem with Suge and then Dre started having problems with Suge. Yeah. So Jimmy well, said. Well, everybody had a problem with Suge, you know, but it, it just, it lasts for so long you can do that, you know. And then after a while, just. People didn't want to deal with him anymore. Well, people, even, people started even, separating themselves. Yeah. Like, you know, it just became unreachable. Yeah. Was that headache? Well, I remember when I was working with SRC Records, uh -huh. who was part of, they were part of Universal uh -huh. in New York. Yes. Uh, 1755 Broadway. And I remember I walked into the security office. You know, they had like a security room with all the security guards. And there was a picture of Suge on the wall, and it said, do not let in the building. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, apparently, the story is a little bit hazy, but they, the security guards told me something to the effect of, I guess Suge had threatened the, the president of Universal, uh, Doug Morris, yeah. I guess, yeah, Doug. at the time. Mm -hmm. He had threatened Doug Morris, and he was not allowed in the building, and there was a security guy that would stand in front of our building every day. When Doug's car would pull up, he would escort Doug into the building, and then when Doug would leave, he would escort Doug into the car, and then he would leave. Like his job was to make sure that Doug yeah. got in and out of the Universal building safely. That's right. And uh, 
it had something to do with the whole Suge thing. Yeah, it did. So and I'm going to tell y'all one thing that I know for a fact. And rest in peace, EZD. One thing about Eric, Eric told me one day, I thought, I thought Andre did all the music, all the beats. All right, whoop. You know what Eric told me? Huh? People send our demos in. Andre redo them. We redo the raps. Yeah. That's the song. All right. I took that same get out. So basically, I took it from Easy. It did the same shit. I took it from me and took it to another level. All right. And guess what? Jimmy Iovine sent me to prison and stole it from me. Yeah. Have you ever seen a motherfucking CEO from a record company all of a sudden be joined to the hip with Andre? They dressing like they doing headphones together, they doing headphones together, all for what? Universal money? Yeah. Have you ever in your life seen a person like Doug Morris give Puffy $35, 40 million dollars to do an album? And guess what? Did they not label, not flop? Did none of the real records do anything? Yeah. Did they not drop him because of that? Yep. So how is the fact that Jimmy Iovine, who's Doug Morris, protege, turn around and give Puppy the same deal for the same amount of money? Yeah. And guess what? That's flop. You know one thing about me. I don't care any n Hollywood, any n on the streets, especially Hollywood rappers. Yeah. We can get our paperwork. Yeah. And see what all we ever been arrested for. On, I guarantee bro, you, there's never been nothing for me but straight real and violence. Ain't no, you ain't snitching. No, no, I don't, man. I ain't never in my life told. You, you'll have a 90 motherfucker walk down the street and said, Suge Knight killed Tupac. <laughs> when everybody know off the top, I ain't the nigga killed Tupac, I'm the nigga protected Tupac. Yeah. But at the same time, bitch ass Puffy can give him a motherfucking star and every rat in the world said he didn't want to kill Tupac. Yeah. I had him shot. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if you notice, it was a rat on television saying he the one did the shooting, this happened, that happened, this happened, that happened, right? Right. If you think about it, right? Right. Why you think nobody been arrested if they said they the one killed Tupac? So they do this, uh, you know, this performance, the Source Awards, and there's a picture of Pac, as you say, in the, in the, in the jail cell. That's what, and he was signed. Most people don't know the deal was executed. Yeah, he was already signed and at that point. And I mean, Pac knew he was on his way home. Yeah. On the pill bond. So Suge gets presented, you know, the label of the year award. Yeah. He gets on the mic and he basically disses Puffy. Correct. You guys go to the tunnel afterwards. Correct. And then Puffy and Suge run into each other? They didn't run it. Well, yeah. They, I mean, we went to the tunnel knowing that they were going to be there. Yeah. But they came over. Puffy talked to him. You know, people around not know what the conversation was. So it, it seemed to be tense. But, you know, Puffy, sure. <laughs> I really couldn't believe it because homeboy, me and him were, were, were friends. But th at that day, it was tense. Everybody was talking. and But Sugar and Puffy were cool at one point. I, I done been over with Sugar at Puffy's office where we done missed planes where they want to talk. Sugar, yeah, yeah. He would wow. pick me up from the airport. Wow. You know. I've never heard this before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we got to break some news here. He picked wow. me up from the airport, the whole entire thing. And, um. So to make a long story short, 